Hi, I'm Janet Deneef, founder and director of the Ubud Writers and Readers Festival. You are about to hear one of our highlight conversations recorded live for our 2023 festival, which explored our theme, Atita Wartamana Anagata, Past, Present, Future. And if you enjoy this session, please consider making a donation to the Ubud Writers and Readers Festival. As a not-for-profit organisation, we depend on your generous support to help us survive. To learn more about how to contribute, visit ubudwritersfestival.com forward slash support dash us. In the meantime, settle in and let the magic of our 20th anniversary festival continue. Thank you very much. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for being here on this hot afternoon. Uh, I hope you're enjoying the festival, and thank you for turning up in record numbers. I'm so excited with this panel, and Dee will be joining us shortly. Dee, this is a chair, but this is Dee Lasari. She'll be joining us because she just finished rehearsing with a Balinese band, and she will perform at that stage at 7 p.m. So wait for that. And she'll come very soon. But before we meet Devi Lestari, let's meet up with Intan Paramadita and Lala Bohang. So Intan, as, as the, the kind man said, you're fearless, you break barriers, you mm. go against the grain, and you're very goth. You're very gothic. And Lala and I were talking about you, and both of us do not dare your, read your fiction, because we're scaredy cats. <laughs> I'm scared of ghosts and you know horror things. <laughs> so I'd like to read out some of Intan's uh, uh, titles of her. Uh, there's Sihir uh, Perempuan, which means Black Magic Woman. That's that's a collection of short stories, or is a novel? Uh, a collection of short stories. Collection of yeah. short stories. Then there's Kumpulan Budak Setan, the Devil's the Devil's Slaves Club. That's a collection of short stories. Yeah, with two other writers. Yeah, with yep. two other writers. And then there's the one short story called Club Solidaritas Swami Hilang. What's the mm -hmm. translation of that? Uh, the Missing Husband Solidarity Club. Okay, yeah. and the only one that I've read, because I'm not that scared of it, mm -hmm. I thought it wouldn't be too goth, is The Wandering. The Wandering. And it's a choose-your-own-ending story. Yeah, uh, choose your own adventure. Novel. Choose your own adventure, red shoe story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll go. We'll dive deeper into her works after this. Our oh, Intan is also an academic at the Macquarie University in Sydney, and uh, you studied film actually. Uh, film studies, yes. Film studies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next to her is Lala Bohang. Lala has been around the festival. You've been in three panels so far? Uh, in total, I have six panels. Six panels? You've been in three. You've been in four? I guess, yeah. But yeah. I You're don't not count counting. the exhibition as a panel, actually. Yeah. Yeah, so five panels then. Five panels. And she has an exhibition going on for the rest of the month in? Yeah, please come. The exhibition still run until one month, actually. It's in Little uh, Purga Art Space. It's in Bisma Street. 
if you haven't visit Bisma Street, it's so beautiful. It's so chill and calm. It's like become my favorite street in Ubud. Okay. Yeah. Please visit. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to start off with Lala, but she said no, Intan first. So we'll go with Intan because we were talking before you came. So she has first. She has first. <laughs> she has first choice. Okay. So uh, Intan, what started you off on the Gothic part, on the Gothic part? of literature. Um, why, why Gothic? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, so uh, I always have um, uh, a special connection with Gothic literature. So I did my undergrad uh, at the University of Indonesia English department and I did my uh, BA thesis on Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. So that was the initial attraction to the Gothic. And then I started reading more Gothic uh, literature by women writers um, other than Mary Shelley. Um, I read uh, Shirley Jackson, The Haunting of Hill House, uh, Angela Carter, Margaret Atwood. So I, um, I'm always attracted to this kind of uh, literature which could be um, summar summarized in a, in a simplistic way as a form of literature that explores um, the, the darkness of human heart. Um, well, of course, it explores uh, the dark setting, uh, the mansion, the skeleton in the closet and everything. But it's, for me, it's really about um, uh, going deeper into uh, the dark secrets of human desire um, um, and, um, uh, the, yeah, just the, the dark side of, of humanity. Uh, so I decided to... Um, to explore more um, and actually right now I'm still exploring uh, new contemporary Gothic literature such as Mariana Enriquez from uh, Argentina oh, um, and uh, Samantha Shreblin. I keep exploring things but um, I love um, this genre because it allows me to speak about monstrous women uh, and I think it's really important to talk about uh, women who who cannot fit, who, does, who do not fit into confines, uh, the confines of the society. And uh, I always believe that resistance is, um, it has many faces, it's, it's very uh, diverse. So, um, not, and not everyone is privileged with a um, civil or uh, decent kind of resistance, such as mm -hmm. writing, speaking in forums like this. Some people just don't have that privilege, so they would uh, run amok, they would haunt, they would destroy, okay. because they just do not have um, the privilege to engage in a more civil kind of resistance. And so I see uh, monstrous women as ways to explore different kinds of resistance, especially from uh, uh, Indonesian women. Um, I guess I, I, I'll just stop there and then we can explore more. Okay. Yeah. And I'm intrigued. I was going to go to Lala, but <laughs> I'll continue with you first. Oh, okay. Uh, in Indonesian uh, folklore, mm -hmm. uh, most of the scary fairy uh, beings yeah. are female. Yes. Chalonarang in Bali, mm -hmm. the Nenek Lampir all over Indonesia. We have the Nenek Sihir, we have the Gendruo who is yeah. always female. And then there's 
a being that comes in the middle of the night, knock knock in the middle of the night with long hair mm -hmm. and, uh, and a hole in the back because she was raped. Uh, how, did that inform any of your, uh, uh, your delving into literature? Yeah. Uh, I guess uh, a lot because I'm always interested in not the ghosts per se, but also why people tell these kinds of stories. Uh, I'm interested in how people make meaning through um, horror stories. Um, and usually you, c you can find very conservative ideas behind uh, these ghosts. So for instance, if we talk about Kuntilanak, Kuntilanak is a type of ghost um, she's described as a woman, a scary woman with long hair, wearing white dress, long white dress. And then in order to keep her tame, you have to, to put a nail on her forehead and then she will be tame, she will be a human being. But then if you unplug the nail from, from the head, she will go rampant, she will destroy everything. So what does that tell us about the society that tell stories about this, this Kuntilanak ghost, mm. right? Uh, I see it as a kind of uh, the desire to control um, women who perhaps who disobey, who, who do not fit into uh, society's expectations, uh, women who are probably crossing boundaries and therefore you, you, you need to tame her by, uh, through this nail. So, you know, there are always because you, you talked about the rape case of um, the Sundal Bolong. So there's always stories in, uh, behind uh, horror, um, uh, the scary stories that people tell and I'm interested in this and, and not so much in the jump scare in, in the simply to scare people, but it's, it's really digging into uh, why um, it's important to talk about um, the fear, what, what, what kind of fear is circulating in the society and how do we, um, how do we explore that uh, to talk about socio-political issues. Okay, thank you. We'll come back to you. Yeah. I'll go to Lala okay? Big hand for Intan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll go to Lala now. Lala has an issue with the, with the title. No, you don't have an issue. No, but you have a, a take on the, on the title, yeah. Women Shaping Indonesian Literature. Let's start first with your first encounter with, uh, with Intan Paramadita. Paramadita's uh, ah, launch, yeah. book launch so at Salihara. I just saw Deborah before. So I will start fr uh, from the beginning. When I read this uh, session, Woman Shaping Indonesian Literature, it, it, sounds like, it sounds like an tangible, like you make a, you sculpt something, maybe from wood or a soil to this sculpture, right? It's like very technical thing. But I think um, women shaping Indonesian literature is very intangible process and it's little by little. It's when um, I read Mbak Dewi Lestari book in, when I was in junior, senior high school. And then it was when I go to Salihara to your book anthology launching with Eka Kurniawan and Ugoran Prasad. I think it was in 2010 10. in Salihara. It was also when I was introduced to the late Kak Lili Yulanti Farid 
Makassar Writer Festival in 2017, and also when the first time I talked to Bujanet Danavi in 2019. So, just a background. I was a younger, grew up in a very strict and kind of conservative environment. So I start writing and drawing not from this like big team or like um, you know this active activism or something. I simply write and draw to make a room for myself because I don't have the room for myself. Everything is already decided for me, but it's not my my environment fault because they also grew up in that method. So it's just generational thing, and then. I make a room for myself through writing, but then I think, yeah, my environment don't really support my artistic endeavors because what is writing? What is drawing? What do you want to do with your life? That's why I go to architectural school. Then I have no confidence and no, you know, brave to to pursue my my art until you know I see Dewi Lestari, I read her book. I see you speaking very bold, and you know, at that time I'm very shy. I was very shy. I, I never imagined I can sit like this, and talking to public. Mm. So it's like this little moment meeting this, uh, you know, the the women before me who already do their own thing, while I'm still afraid and have no one give me the permission, quote unquote, to do my thing. I see them, and then I thought that I feel like they kind of give me this permission. And that's intangible, and it's also very—it's not directly, but it's real. I feel that. Mm. And today I do my thing because because they permission, and my only wish is for you know maybe somewhere this young girl uh, grew up with a similar environment like me. Maybe she also have this like creative itch. I call it creative itch. And they see me. Oh, oh, yeah, I can do what Lala do. Yeah, yeah. I'm that. So That's you weren't born in. You weren't born and raised in Jakarta, right? You were. I was born in Makassar, and then I grew up in Palu, Central Sulawesi, and then I go to senior high school in Bandung. It's a pesantren modern, so I wear hijab and learn all those stuff. You were. I already talked about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yesterday. some of you already heard. Hmm. And then yeah, so I go to this. My elementary and junior high school is Buddhist school, so I learn the whole story about Siddhartha Gautama and Buddhism. I meditation since I was in elementary school because that's what my school did in in their classes. And then I go to pesantren for senior high school, and then I learn architecture in a Catholic university in Bandung. So I experience all those religion, <laughs> religion, you know. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I already experienced everything. That's why when there is problem based on differences on these religions or cultures or backgrounds, I I was like, I live in all those uh, culture and beliefs, and you know, it's all the same. They're just human. There's nothing different. Okay. Yeah. Now I I find this fascinating. These two little background stories, mm. Lala. Beginning when she began to write, she wrote in English, whereas Intan, who lives in Australia, you write in Indonesian mostly, yeah. and your <laughs> works are translated by other people. 
when in fact you can write in English. So tell us a little bit, why do you write in English and why do you maintain yourself in Bahasa Indonesia? Lala first. Okay. Um, yeah, so when, when I first published my book, The Book of Forbidden Feelings in 2016, I, don't really, I didn't really know why I wrote it in English. I just kind of do it because I mostly write my personal journal in English. And then after some time, I'm thinking that nothing is coming from a void. I mean, I'm like this, doing my thing with my tonality. It's not coming from poof and it's there. It's not like magic. Also, Intan, it's not like poof and then, you know, see interested in Gothic. Mm. So after I'm thinking about it, um, I was grew up in environment that I told you before, kind of conservative, but they really care about education. And they really care about, you have to be good in English. I don't know why, but that's what, what they're taught at that time. So I learned English when I was in first uh, grade until forever. <laughs> and then I, my pesantren modern in Bandung is also, we learn in English, so I learn chemistry and physics in English. Mm -hmm. It's so hard. And so, yeah, I'm very familiar with using the language in my daily basis. So I kind of thinking uh, in English. Mm -hmm. But you use English as, as a sort of uh, defense mechanism? Or you ah, wanted also to keep... That. Thank you yeah. for the reminder. So, my Indonesian version who write in Indonesian, talk in Indonesian, is this, this girl from this strict and conservative environment. So, I was a kind of people... I was a chronic people pleaser. No, I'm just prone to the people pleaser. I'm still <laughs> learn. But Lala Indonesian version is this full of fear girl, woman. But in English, I feel like there's this distance from my, um, from Indonesian language, and then I can be somebody else who may be more fearless, and then more open, and then more like, ah, I don't care about what you think. But in, in real life, I'm really thinking about what other people thought of me. That's why when my book came out, and then there's mixed review, like, first, why you, Right in English. Second, why your book is so weird? <laughs> why there's so many drawings in it? What is this? I mean, yeah, I heard that a lot. And then also there's this, why there's so many blank pages in your book? I mean, poetry book, in general, have a lot of blank pages. <laughs> but they questionable my book. Also the third opinion, why your book is so feminine? Mm -hmm. Fem feminine. Yeah, why it's so feminine? Okay. Meanwhile, I never heard that a male writer, you know, mm. to ask some things like that. Why, why your book is so masculine? Okay. So I don't get it. Why they ask like that? Mm. But that was years ago. I'm still like the the Indonesian version of Lala, fully Indonesian version of Lala on the inside. So I'm really like feel bad about all these opinions. Oh, what should I do? Maybe I should try to. Uh, draw less in my book, but at the end, I think I do this for make a room for myself. So maybe I just, yeah, I will grow from this. I still do my thing and trying to shut down the opinions. And so you drew courage writing in English to become an Indonesian writer. Yeah, no, I think <laughs> I'm I'm brave enough to start writing in Indonesia. Okay, finally. <laughs> <laughs> in that, 
Um, okay, I will respond very uh, quickly to the language question, but can I respond to what Lala has yes, said about... Yes, of course, of course, this is a conversation. Okay, the traces of women writers before her. Uh, so the first one is because I find that... Heidi. <laughs> Hello, Dewi Lestari, the famous. <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, I'll continue. Uh, it, it's a political choice to write in Indonesian language because it's a very, it's a very new language, right? Uh, it's um, uh, yeah, less than a hundred years. And then people always assume that uh, we have less uh, vocabulary uh, in comparison to other major languages, Spanish, English, and people feel confined writing in Indonesian language. Uh, but I guess it's, it's a beautiful challenge for me to write in this presumably limited uh, vocabulary, but you can do a lot of things with it. It's like having a game with a lot of limitation, mm -hmm. uh, because in English you have so many different words for or so many different nuances for um, uh, a verb um, in Indonesian. That's that's quite um, yeah. People assume that it's limiting, but actually no. It's it's like a game of how how you deal with language with the, the limitation of language. And I see it as something creative. And I want to write first and foremost for Indonesian people. Um, I guess right now, because I am translated, I know that even my new book, Malam Seribu Jahanam, is currently being translated into English. Uh, and therefore, uh, when I wrote that, I had, I imagine that someone else who's not Indonesian will be reading that, but still my, uh, the imagined reader, the primary reader is in, uh, someone from Indonesia. So that's the reason. And then another thing, I really like how you mentioned that uh, you became a writer by learning or um, looking at traces of other women before you. And um, I guess that that's what happened to me too. And we need, and it should be a political gesture. Uh, it should be a conscious decision uh, because sometimes, because you know, just politically, we are there's a rupture between us and the previous generation. The previous generation of women, uh, many of them were erased. Um, many of them, especially those uh, affiliated with the leftist thinking, were erased. They were imprisoned, and after they were free from the prison, they couldn't write. They were afraid that if they wrote, they would um, jeopardize the um, the family. Um, so what we're doing right now with uh, my feminist collective is to study um, the women thinkers from the previous generation. And that's why it's really weird because in early 2000, you don't really get to see uh, leftist thinking like Siti Rukia, Sugiyarti Siswadi. Uh, you could only access Islamic feminism or liberal feminism. So we were impoverished. And what we need to do is to reclaim the genealogy, feminist genealogy, of um, Indonesian women thinkers. That's what I think. Thank okay. you. Thank you, Intan. Wow, this is mind-bending. And here's Miss Mind-Bending herself. Uh, Dewi Lestari is, a, is a first and foremost an author. Acclaimed series of uh, supernova books. Berapa sih bukunya ada? Six. Six supernova. And I guess Lala when you were in high school, that's what yeah, you read. Yeah, I read your first book in high school. That's huge. 
Thanks. Thank <laughs> so, you. Thank you. Because so I was cool in Bandung and yeah. she's living in Bandung also. So we went to the same university, oh, right? Alright, we're yes. Chimbaluit people. Yes, but she's like my super, super junior. <laughs> <laughs> and she yeah. got her courage from you. Oh, that's so sweet. So, uh, uh, Dee Lestari is, a, is a, an author, an acclaimed author. She writes, uh, many of her books have been made in the films. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and authors hate it when we say, I haven't read your book, but I saw it. And it's not the same thing, right? But, but you did the screenplays, most of them. No, no, no. no only one. Yes, only, only one. one yeah. Somebody else did the screenplay. Yes, yes. But also, she's, she's a singer-songwriter, and she'll be performing at that stage later yes. at 7 p.m.? Uh, right? 8 p.m. At 8, 8 p.m., so we have a chance to have dinner and then come back here. Yes, please. So, um, to continue the conversation now with you, um, you, how did you get your philosophical bent in, in writing. You have philosophy mm. copy. It actually has mm -hmm. the word philosophy in mm -hmm. the title. Yes. But also the, the Supernova series is actually a, a, a mixture of philosophical musings about uh, hard science and, and humanity. True. And then uh, there's Madre and then there's Prahu uh, Kertas. Yes. Uh, tell us a little bit and then okay. you can say that you inspired Lala, and then Lala hopes that she can inspire some writers uh -huh, here. Uh -huh. And then one day at the Uber Writers and Readers Festival in 2043, somebody will say, I saw Lala Bohang, yes. and now I'm a writer, yes. and I listen to Intan Paramadita. Amen okay. to that. Okay, so hi everyone. First of all, I'm so sorry for being late. Um, due to the uh, rehearsal for the performance tonight, there was a schedule hiccup, so uh, it was it finished later than I thought. So, but here I am. I hope I can fulfill the the discussion efficiently and effectively. <laughs> okay. Sure you will. So, about your last question, um, I think it was in Ubud Writers Festival. I met most authors, uh, women authors, that more or less we published the we published our books at around the same time like Ayu Utami and Jenar Maesa Ayu. And then oh, yes. on that panel, I realized that each author, not, not just women authors, but I think each author has that signature drive that um, propels them to, to write, like a, like a big theme in their life. I, I coined that as the, the existential question mark that we each have in our heart. And although there are similarities, but uh, some people, you know, carry different question marks. For instance, Ayu Utami once mentioned that uh, her drive was about religi uh, r religions, madness, and sexuality. Jinnar's drive is uh, feminism and sexuality. And madness. And, <laughs> <laughs> and madness. <laughs> and I think... Mine um, also had that s similar engine, but it more into uh, spirituality. And I think the reason why I wrote Supernova back in 2000, and it was published later in 2001, was when I was in uh, my personal quest to find my, myself, my true self. You know, the, the big questions like, why are we here? Who are we? You know, I was 25 at that time. And I think, you know, those are the burning questions I had. And uh, since 
I love writing fiction since I was small. So when I had those epiphanies, as you, you might want to call it, I know that I couldn't write spiritual books just like that. You know, who, who would believe a 25-year-old talking about, you know, stuff that probably uh, guys with white beard, you know. <laughs> so I, I, I don't think I fit that role. But I love writing fiction, so I decided to, to encapsulate all my experiences, my findings, my contemplations into the work of fiction. And because Supernova was already uh, designed as a series, so it went on and on, you know. At first it was a trilogy, and then it ended up as a hexology, so I ended up with six books, and then so many more books that, you know, uh, once didn't have a place on the media, you know, back then, the only validation you can have is either you get published or you send your writings to media. And so now that I, uh, back then I was a published author already, it's easier for me to start to dig up my old stuff like philosophy copy, like Prahu Kerta. So I, those are my Frankenstein projects. I, I kind of revive them from the dead. And then, you know, uh, finally they, they find their place and find their readers. So that, that, was my, uh, that was my drive, Deborah. Okay. Yeah. You're into Gothic too. You have a Frankenstein project <laughs> like <laughs> Intan. <laughs> okay, thank you for saying that. It yes. suddenly reminded me. I hate this term. It comes from a bunch of guys who, who, I stick, I around I, I knew it. I <laughs> who knew stick around at Taman Ismail Marzuki, yeah. the epitome of art in Indonesia. Mm. This bunch of guys, probably only seven of them, Call women who write sastra wangi, sastrawan wangi, perfumed literature. Mm -hmm. And it is a derogatory term. Mm. There is literature and there is literature that's perfumed, perfuming, uh, scent filled literature. Yeah, and yeah. you are one of them. And uh, I think you miss that both, but. And you, I remember that. I remember you that. Re yeah. But you are not Sastra Wangi. She and is. And then also, I think similar with you. Like, why they have to put this smell good behind the literature? Smell good literature. Why? Why not just literature? Yes. Yeah. That's so weird. Yes. So you first, as the <laughs> Sastra Wangi epitome. <laughs> what I thought was because the typical writers that I knew. I mean, uh, back when I was still, you know, like a like a like school students. There was this huge gap between the young generations to what we called, you know, the 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 mm, highbrow literature, and w there are times when I went to Ismail Marzuki, and then I saw, you know, the the, the, the typical people who hang out there. Don't, um, okay, don't this is this is this is not this is not to you know um, generalize, but most of them had long hair, and, and it seemed wash. like they didn't shower for I don't know how many days, and you know with with cigarettes, nonstop cigarettes, glasses of coffee, and I think that's what the typical um, image that we had for for writers, and so when this women came into the literature stage, and me and Ayu, and we showered, you know, and we, <laughs> we made our hair before we went to the stage, you know, and, and you know, maybe wear something nice, you know. So it was probably a, a bit um, uh, otherworldly, yeah, yeah, otherworldly for, for, for that standard at that time. 
but I never, I don't know, maybe I didn't care enough for, for uh, being in categorized in whatever category because I think the most important thing is just keep doing what you love and I think the validation will come from, from your work, from your consistent voice and um, I still want to shower and look nice <laughs> and so it was never a big problem for me, Debra, but I, I realized it, it creates a, a, a big issue at that time. People were just, you know, reviewing that, discussing that on articles and, and magazines and newspapers. And um, for me, it's like extra promotion, you know? So <laughs> I, I don't mind because that kind of promotes the, the women authors. And uh, because I also work in publishing, I publish my own book. Um, in the market, the bookstores say that, okay, can, I, can we have more women writers? Because apparently at that time, we sell more. So I think it's, it's quite beneficial in a way, you know? So okay. yeah, so that's, okay. that's how my stance is. <laughs> so I'd, I'd like to connect that with something that Intan said. So she feels the 65 generation and before have been deleted from... from our horizons. The women, the women of the 19th century, no, 20, early 20th early century 20th have century. been erased from our collective memory. I, I posit to you that the women of the 70s who wrote were told they were not literati, they were not part of the liter literary community. They were women. They were the wrong gender. And, and then the, the second part of that misogynist um, outlook was the Sastrawangi, the perfumed uh, literary woman. So the first, the 70th generation who are older than Ayu, so this is the Marian Katopo, Mirawe, Margate, and so forth, Laros, um, the Titi Said, Lisa Said generation, they have totally been erased. You look for their books, they are not in bookstores. Until somebody dies. Mirawe. She died, right? Yeah. Suddenly her books are out there again. She actually informed my generation of readers. So we, this generation, my generation of readers, decided, wow, you can actually express yourself in writing like these women. And of course, they didn't make a living out of it. Uh, but uh, neither did the unwashed, the great unwashed, also had other jobs, uh, or else they were full-time unwashed, but they were, it was misogyny through and through. Now, let me have your take on that. The women that were erased, the 70s women that were erased from the, the discourse, and the women that you're talking about. Could you have a... Uh, okay, so I guess I'll, uh, I'll talk about the Sastrawangi first, and then we'll talk about gatekeepers and the er erasure of women. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you that it's, it, it was a sexist, um, it was a sexist, a, a structural marginalization of women, exclusion of women. But at the same time, it, it was also about the capitalist exploitation of women who were considered uh, attractive, like 
Mbak D, like Ayu Tami, Jenar Maesa Ayu, they were all attractive women. And I think learning from that, it was good that we all read their work. But learning from that, um, we should also be aware that this kind of capitalist exploitation is ongoing. And whatever the form that is, Sastrawangi or another thing, anything that can be exploited, we need, we, we need to be cautious. Um, so that's the first thing. And another thing is that, yeah, I, I got what you mean about um, the uh, misogynist, uh, masculine, uh, uh, dominating uh, structures of, of Indonesian literature, and it's structural. I keep saying structure because it's, um, uh, people are interested in spirituality, I'm interested in, in uh, uh, oppressive structures. Uh, and all um, men are still in a position top position in deciding what is good literature and what not. Um, however, um, I, 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 re I refuse to see it as the center of my action and my activism. Uh, otherwise, it will recenter men. And why? Um, so what I'm trying to do right now, okay, we have all these gatekeepers. They are very problematic, not only because of their gender, but because of their dominating position. They're mostly based in Java, don't forget that, in Jakarta. Um, so what, what I'm trying to do is not to fight alone, because if you fight alone, it's neoliberal feminism. So, and I disagree with that. Uh, I fight with other women, uh, not only writers, but also women artists, women um, uh, in different uh, 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 fields of art, and that's what we do. We excavate the grave, or oh, we have a lot of Gothic metaphors. We studied Mariana Katopo, we studied uh, uh, the leftist women from the uh, 50s, 70s, like Siti Rukia, and we found that um, even though, you know, people, you've read Mariana Katopo, um, um, our new understanding, what we bring to the table, is a new interpretation of these women's work. Do you know that Mariana Katopo was a priest who had this anti-colonial stance against um, uh, Dutch colonial uh, 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 religious uh, system? And also she promoted um, Asian... Uh, uh, um, a transnational uh, uh, Asian feminism. It was 1979, and I, when I read her work, that was quite similar to the spirit of Nawal El Sadawi, uh, Audre yeah. Lorde, and other women. So that's what we do. We, we don't only revive their work, um, we reread and we pr uh, promote a new interpretation that says, hey, if you, you're talking about transnational feminism, decolonial feminism, look at Mariana Kotopo, look at Siti Rukia. They did that already. That's what yeah. we do. And Marianne's um, award-winning novel was about rape. About rape that she, she won an award from, she won the best story from Femina Women's Magazine. And the central issue was rape, something nobody ever talked about, particularly women. You were, you were never uh, influenced by any of this discourse? I have one Mariana Katopo book, but I haven't read it. You haven't read it, but uh, do you feel that you've been disadvantaged because of this Sasrawangi nonsense and the erasure of women? The erasure of women, the exclusion, of course, it's affect uh, many things. Mm -hmm. Intangible things. Uh, 
For example, at school, of course, I learned a lot about Hyrule Anwar, but I never asked about that. And again, another Hyrule Anwar. <laughs> Then, um, yeah, but there's no, for example, a woman poet that I learned. No women's no no women no, po poet. Yeah. Okay. Now, can you mention any? So no. No. <laughs> Even today, I just start learning about it, but not that deep. All right. Okay. So everybody, that's your PR tonight. Go look up women poets that are women in Indonesia. There are hundreds. Not only Hairil Anwar, and from the 40s. Yeah. But that PR. Kita punya waktu 15. We have 15 minutes. Oh, hands up before I even open the floor. Uh, Jonathan, I promise you first. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> oh, a man. Yeah, <laughs> privilege. Uh, I want to know how a woman influence, a woman writer influence, uh, shaped uh, Indonesian society these days. Because, like for me, uh, I always have to, I have a tendency to think that women writers are more vulgar than men writers. My first woman writer is uh, Jenar Mesa Ayu. I, I read her, uh, I, I read her book uh, during my SMP times, and that time there is a book also from Muammar MK, uh, Jakarta Undercover. And then, like I think. The way Jenar Mesa Ayu talks about sex is like very different with Muhammad MK and I think it's really, it's not porn but it's very vulgar, it's very strong. And then, uh, yeah, I want to know how it's shaped the society because uh, Sastrawang is very nonsense because I think like these women are very, you know, like uh, weird, as, uh, like a monster actually, like not, 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 not something like very feminine or something. Thank you so much. So who, who would you like to respond to your question? Mm, anybody. Anybody? D? I think it is more vulgar because you read Janaris. <laughs> If you find Not some study. other women's work, probably you will have different conclusion. But um, I think we need that kind of voice, you know, because... Um, okay, now we're talking about the, the, the context of 2023, okay? I think now, at this moment, we have so many influential uh, women authors. Um, that have shaped and influenced the young generations and maybe that, that picture would be different if we compare that like 20 or 30 years ago. But now I think um, even though we can still find samples of oppression, perhaps not just because of the system, but because you know, it's, it's not every woman has that courage like like Janar or uh, or Ayu uh, have, but I think now women authors are really, really much stronger. And um, we are very multidimensional. So you can have, I, I would say Janar's work is like, you drink black coffee, the strongest black coffee just like hits you right in the head, you know? <laughs> And then um, Ayu is more like this um, cappuccino. She's very, uh, everything is refined, you know, even, even though that the, the theme may not be easy, but she managed to, you know, um, wrap, them up, wrap them up with, with very uh, sophisticated words and metaphors. And, uh, and, and yours, I mean, like, uh, no. okay. you what, what do you think? Like this, uh, <laughs> you are the third female uh, writer that I, I read, and then like uh, your 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 writing in really inspired me to, you know, like uh, it's very intelligent. 
Mm. I want when I write, I want to, you know, when people read my writing, I want to be people to think that, oh, this guy is intelligent because I, I was right, you're, you're supernova. Ah. It's like really. Ah, thank yeah. you. Also thank like, you. Okay. Uh, okay. It's like. All Give the mic to somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Thank you. Let's not have a male hug the conversation. Okay, Ibu, silakan. Thank you, Jonathan. Okay, I actually I have two questions, but maybe for Lala uh, about the language is it issues. Is it uh, the reason you're not using Bahasa Indonesia? Is it because it's it is our native language? Because when we say some things in our language, it feels very deep and you feel like naked. I don't know, because it. that's why I, and maybe a lot of Indonesian people don't say, aku cinta kamu deh. It's always, I love you. Is that is that one of the reason you use the English uh, beside your background? Uh, and then you said that you already have guts to, um, uh, to finally create book in Indonesian. That is so brave of you, but if you don't, we will always love you. Just be you, Lala Boha. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. Actually, um, I have all of your books, so I love you for just who you are. Oh, so, so aku please cinta don't oh Aku cinta kamu. Okay, Lala, but I'd like Intan to also comment on that. Oh, okay, Lala first. Uh, I'm a bit blank because he said I love you in the end. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. Um, I don't really think about the you know it's more many many if using Indonesia and it's more uh, cohesive is using English. I'm not thinking like that. I'm just like I'm too familiar with the the language and then it's I feel more brave when when using English rather than Indonesia. Yeah, I think it's that simple. And then about you said if I wrote in English, yeah maybe sometimes I will wrote in English, sometimes I wrote in Indonesia. I will be completely myself and hope you, you too <laughs> <laughs> so is bahasa indonesia deeper as <laughs> the kind lady said oh uh no not really but i guess i don't i don't have much to say about that but you know um i i think we should um we should stop uh looking at languages uh through the standards of you know major languages so you this is just my reflection after listening to a panel on uh, translation where um, uh, the speakers talked about why, how it's dif so difficult to translate Indonesian authors because they use a lot of uh, passive voice. Uh, and therefore, in order to make this appealing to the Western readers, uh, the, the translator or the publisher needs to uh, erase those or to soften to uh, uh, these passive voice. I think what we need to do is to uh, decolonize our ways of thinking about languages. Um, so instead of saying, oh, this is really not, this is really awkward because we think in English, then ask why Indonesians use passive voice. So it, that's just my thought. But can I add something about um, the vulgar uh, yes, uh, way of speaking? Um, yeah, I think you also need to diversify your reading because all the authors you mentioned, they are all urban, famous women writers. It's great to read Janar Maisa Ayu, as Dee mentioned. She is an important voice in our literary field. But also there are other voices. Try to find women writers from Eastern Indonesia. 
trans women writers, right? Try to find um, uh, Muslim women writers who are questioning the notion of religion. So uh, I, that's what my hope for Indonesian readers. Do not get satisfied by what's available on the bookstores. Um, you need to question your, your reading list. Okay. And that comes from a lecturer. Ibu dosen telah bicara. Okay. Yes. Hello. So Hello. this question is specifically for Mama Suri. Sorry if I stutter because I'm shaking right now. <laughs> I'm a big fan of you. Thank you. Thank okay, you. So here's the question. What kind of contemplation and crisis you're going through on writing Supernova series? Because that book changed the whole trajectory of our lives. Because many of us want to write like that too. We want to write like something that could create various perspectives uh, no matter how many times we read the you know the works so that's it thank you so much mama suri i love you thank you thank you <laughs> okay maybe somebody from the from the back now okay another man okay <laughs> well, i'm so biased <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Okay. Uh, I'm a more neutral, and I bear some good news actually in the progress of like women writers. First, I gotta say thank you, Dilasati. I was in your uh, lessons, young RT number seven, oh, and you helped me you. Uh, move with my writing career, and you gave me more hope and faith. So thank you. Wow. This is my second time here. And Indra, I guess I bought your book yesterday, but I didn't know anything about the book. I'm into supernatural stuff as well. And I like the point you mentioned, how uh, women ghosts are prominent, like in Indonesian mythology and folklore. I mean, by looking at them, I would say that they're stronger than the male ghosts. Officially, like uh, Nyai Roro Kido owns real estate and a dominion under the land. She's like a demigod. Whereas Kenderuo is just like our version of Bigfoot that does not get many affair. Oh. And as for you again, Linda Bohan, I think I went to your yesterday's seminar on the, uh, as a form of self-expression, like saw that a bit. And ooh, um, I guess I was mentioning to say that thanks to you as well, Dee, for your science fiction being a trailblazer for uh, lots of works of fiction. You open doors to your books. I guess you're a big name in local sci-fi. And it may have inspired uh, one of my friends to pursue her job in uh, writing for video games. I would say that uh, she's one so of the happy. leading ones by name Galuh Elsa. Mm. She's in Mojikan. She's made coffee talk and a space wave. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, okay. Yeah. D, Lala, and yeah. then. Thank you. <laughs> there were so many questions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, about Supernova. So for me, Supernova is always a part of my personal journey. Sometimes I feel like I need something happened in my life first before I can write another, another episode of Supernova. And um, the universe uh, of the story is so huge. It consists a lot of countries, a lot of languages, and even another dimension. You know, I, I, I talk about the fourth dimension and, and you know, things that really had to stretch your imagination. So um, it requires a huge stamina. And um, that's why I think I finished it in 15 years. 
Okay, that's not an excuse. Okay, I got distracted most of the time, but um, <laughs> it, it took me that long to, to finish the whole series. And um, I cannot say this for sure because, of course, I, I don't think this conclusion um, should come from me. But I think Supernova, it becomes a, a, a voice or a representative for many young voices, young restless voice, especially who resides in urban life because we are constantly bombarded by the, you know, the cultural clash, the um, internet influence, and just to stay center in the midst of the storm is not easy. And uh, to go back to that center of yourself, become that universal um, calling that I think a lot of people can relate to and probably just like what you said, um, you can probably relate to the story because you also have that burning question uh, in your heart, but um, you need that specific voice so that you can be heard, you know? So I think that was, that was Supernova um, main service for its readers. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lala, you have a comment? Yeah, I have a short comment. Suddenly I have this moment of connecting the dots because of hearing you, hearing you, and hearing all the questions. So uh, this year I was, I, I'm one of the curator for the anthology of uh, Ubud Writers Festival short story. So the whole uh, emerging writer from 2008 until 2022, we pick like 15 stories, me, uh, John McGlynn and Putu Wijaya. And I think the process is so interesting because we, we came from three different generations. And when Jonathan said that uh, you read Jenar and then blah, 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 and then Sastrawangi thing, and if I'm not mistaken, Sastrawangi was started in 1998 for Ayu Utami's first book, uh, Saman. Or no, it's 2002 or 2001. Oh, right. So after the several female authors mm -hmm. got published, uh -huh. including... Then the term... Yes, including okay. Ayutami. Yeah. Because in the anthology uh, works that I was, you know, there was no female writers before 2012. From 2008... The Ubud Writers and Readers but, Special but, Anthology. Yeah, but, but the, the committee already like picked from 15 emerging writers of 2008, they already picked five, they already picked four, but... From 2008 until 2012, there is no women that speak. But maybe because no women, right? Or maybe there's just one. And then from 2012 until 2022, there's more women writers. At least from five, there is two, there is three. And then the whole process is very unique because I, I you know, I pick the story based on my perspective that there must be, you know, there's no woman that objectified uh, in the story. And then geographical thing, it must be inclusive and, rep and representation is very important. But the other two also came with their own perspective that reflect their, you know, their generation and their point of view. And that's really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. Because at the end, we, we came with this idea, oh, so we have to make this more efficient. Why don't we each pick 15 story and then we gather it, if, one story have three uh, voice, then yeah, come in, come into the anthology. If they have two, yes, come in too. If one, we just, you know, put them out. 
So yeah, it's kind of I have this thinking that the sastrawangi term somehow like push also the women writers to express themselves. So maybe it's a sexist term, but at the same time it's also you know create. push women to create and make them do their own thing. Can I just add a little bit to yeah. that? Okay. I, I conducted um, a writing class that has been going on for three years now and now already has like 2,000 alumni and more. But what I observe is 70% of the participants are women. So I think more and more women are now more, more interested and more courageous to, to voice out their, their heart, their opinions, their, uh, you know, what matters to them. But I'm, I'm happy to see that many of the participants, mostly 75%, are women. women. Wow, that's interesting to know. And because this is a session called Women Shaping Indonesian Literature, I would like to allow Intan to have the last word. Uh, about what? About this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, um, maybe just to comment a little bit on what you, you were saying about Niroro Kido, the Queen of the South Sea. Um, uh, she has been uh, much sexualized. I wrote a story about her, so go ahead and check in Sihir Perempuan. Uh, but the, this idea that um, she, uh, the sexual intercourse with Nirorokido, which happens between the king of Mataram from generation to generation, that is the myth that strengthens uh, patriarchal power and there are different interpretations so what we need to do is to foreground a more feminist interpretation of our uh, uh, folk tales right uh, and also we need to move away from the idea that um, women's strength is just about sexual power because that's very much liberal feminism uh, there are so many aspects if you think about women's strength and you need to see it intersectionally gender class, race, and so many other um, aspects to think about. Uh, I guess uh, uh, my final words, maybe just to chime in, uh, in terms of how we select things. I think everyone here, those who are still studying, writing, uh, you will be, um, I guess, in a more powerful position one day. I don't know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, when you become the gatekeepers, you. I mean, Lala, you, be, you are the gatekeeper. You are, yeah, uh, you are curating. You will be in that position. And what you need to do is to be very, very cautious because that is a position of power. And therefore, you need to really think in a feminist way, in an intersectional way, because otherwise you will just reproduce what the, the older gatekeepers have done. And that's all. Thank you.